Full Service Radio is proudly supported and hosted by Simplecast, the easiest way for a podcast creator to publish and distribute audio on the internet. For more information, visit Simplecast.com. Welcome to the Dolcetta Sherbert Experience. I'm your host, Rob Duncan, along with my wife, Violetta Edelman. Both of Dolcetta Gelato. We're here broadcasting live from the Line Hotel, Washington, D.C. And today our guest is Zachariah Lester. Zach is of Tree and Leaf Farm, is a friend of mine, a poet, a visionary, somebody that's taught me so many things about life and growing and ecosystems of the soil, what goes on below the, the, the surface and the importance of that into the nutrition of plants. And it's just somebody that I've really gone back probably 10 to 12 years of, of becoming a really good friend with, with this guy, Zachariah. And Violetta always would say it was my, my bromance. And, um, <laughs> you know, since, since Zach, I think, with um, Tree and Leaf Farm, was always a fixture at the DuPont Farmer's Market for so long, and that's where... Um, I met Zach for the first time, and that's where the kind of you know every Sunday we would hang out, commune, and then afterwards sometimes on his farm, sometimes at our house with Zach and his family. And so it's been a long time, man. It's been a long time since I've seen you, Zach. So yeah. I'm so happy, so blessed to have you here. And I'm sorry for dragging you into the city, but you know you've been on our list to have in and um, converse. So. I, I really appreciate you coming in, man, and it's been a while. Yeah, thanks, Rob. It's great to be here. Great to see you both. Thank you for coming. Yeah, beautiful day. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. And you know, the one, the one story that I always, um, that I always talk about as far as well, like, kind of like of a flavor or, or, or the, how I got turned on to certain um, flavors. And, uh, you know, one of the questions that everybody always ask is like how do you come up with the flavors and where does that where do the ideas come from and and i always joke and say well lots of good dope for, for one you know that's like one good place where ideas kind of come into the right. come tangent so right. um but the one that i always say is kind of and this was this was back in the days of actually like um you getting to know me and me getting to know you and i remember i came over to your stand when we were there at the dupont farmer's market on sunday dupont circle and I had been making the, the lemon basil, and it was using the normal green Genovese basil. I think that's the right um, strain or, or name for or varietal for the basil. And sure. it, was, it was good. It was a really good flavor, and it was based off the, you know, the, the classic combination in Italy with lemon and basil that's, that pairs so well. And I, and I remember kind of giving you a little scoop with the spoon sitting at your stand, and you're like, mm, that's really good. Yeah, yeah. And then you turn around and you kind of put this thing in my hand and it was this deep black purple bundle of opal basil. And you said, that's good, but you should check this out. And so I go back to the kitchen, 300 square foot kitchen in Georgetown. And ever since, that's probably become, I, I don't know, in the top five flavors that we're known for in, in D.C., the lemon opal basil. And it just added so many dimensions to the whole experience that was not present in that, in that green basil. That's yeah. always the story that 
I tell everybody, and I always wonder, well, is that true? <laughs> Did you, do you have any memory of that? Or am I just making up <laughs> shit to tell stories? Because I always, I, you know, that's like probably like, what is it, 10, 12 years ago? Yeah, sure. I think that is the integrity of that experience. I think it was the time that we came together, we were checking each other out, and, um, and this is what I had. And I didn't realize that I actually didn't know anything about gelato or sorbetta. Maybe I had had, yes, Italian ice at the gas station when I was little or something. Burritos or something. Really, no, no, but then the strong sense of smells and, and tastes and the way the plant was. And I was trying to identify with you in this way or understand and did with what I had. And that was this other plant. And immediately you identified with... Uh, that you didn't know something and so that was like this merge and kind of immediate spark of like ooh you are I am and <laughs> and that um, I think that that's that was something that immediately even at that time at the farmer's market me as a grower me as a person who was trying to reach out and understand uh, this new community around me um, urban community the food movement um, within my sense of, of movement um, and so there was this openness vulnerability spark to learn and um, and then the radar was on for all of us to like connect and um, and not necessarily was that to be famous or infamous at Never. the same time yeah. yeah yeah so is that is that I guess it's that connection with um with the other and the openness and and really that 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 curiosity as far as there's so much to learn and especially when you come along with somebody else that there is that resonance or that vibe that one can learn from from one another so so you know so so farming so we met whatever that was 10 12 years ago there in in, in dupont you were there with um tree and leaf farms your mm -hmm. farm mm -hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. Tell me, tell stuff me about has changed kind of since then. Well, stuff yeah. has changed, yeah. and probably before that, whenever you got into farming in the Mid Atlantic or what. Tell, tell me about that. Where, where, where do you come from? How, maybe not so far back, but like, how did you get into this farming of growing here? Maybe it started somewhere else of, of vegetables and herbs mm -hmm. here, and I assume in the Mid Atlantic is maybe where it went down. Maybe, yeah, some of that. I mean, I don't. And tree come and from leaf, the name as well. Maybe comment on that within your your. Um, okay, well, we'll start with tree journey. and leaf. Um, tree and leaf has kind of inspired the name. The two words together just spoke to me as, oh, that's a system. That's this tree, this body, and these leaves that create the body to then create something else so immediately I identified with the synergy of those two words making a third embodying a third um, it also is Tolkien was a short story or the Tolkien reader had um, an essay on tree and leaf which is um, about kind of uh, talking about uh, fairy tales and fairy stories and the idea that a fairy tale was something not of this world or maybe extraordinary that wouldn't really happen um, but it, and so that was what we knew what of the elemental world or these you know this other dimension this fairy tale speak, speak not to w cut you off at all but fairies 
you know, people, most people hear fairies and it just means something. But to you, coming from the Irish, the Irish and the Celtic, you know, sure, the Celtic sure. lore there. It's sure, the, that's the, the fairy was um, uh, the nature worker. That's what I identified with, the uh, unseen but con- conceptual work um, energy around growing plants or being in nature um, constantly. So... So that's kind of the inspiration, or it just, it's, these things just kind of speak to you, and then you kind of pontificate upon, you know, translate, develop your language or your vocabulary on what you believe. Um, and uh, so anyway, um, this all really sourced around plants, and um, I wouldn't say inanimate or inanimate, I would say physical, I would say, because I don't feel that animate and inanimate they're they both coincide and they're both really important and so i would just say physical um farming i don't come from a farming family i was raised by farmers i come from a family of like actors and lighting designers and set designers and um philosophers um so but farmers took care of me so it was a very early story in my life when my mother was off making a living at a community center I was taken care of by pig farmers and dairy farmers. And this uh, was in... Um, this Loudoun? was in Virginia. This Virginia. was in Loudoun County outside of Waterford, Virginia um, in the 70s. And, um, and so that story was like a strong paradigm for me. I always go back to it as something I valued. The thing that I was always connected to originally um, kind of was that I understood that the principles this inherent principles of nature that was all around me were consistent. They were like in life, they were things that I was learning and they were consistent. And farmers had this way to respond to that consistency. So that was like an early knowledge of like, oh, this is when this is happening. And it continues to happen in this way, a little differently every year, but it's happening. The pigs are being slaughtered or the corn is being harvested, etc. Um, and and so that always kind of obviously resonated with me. So I think that um, my adventure or exploration in working with plants um, was always in the back of my mind. But immediately the connection of people, like plants are around people. And that was kind of the community of people in plants, I saw that this was important to me. And um, I think jumping ahead and being a gardener for many years and working on different farms and being a laborer, which is so important with, with work, with, uh, to labor um, on your skill or to, to be, um, to participate at least up to this time the labor, the physical act of working with people and plants has been essential. Um, not, just, not just on a living sense, um, or making a living sense, but on a living sense, I should say, yes. Um, kind of developing my, well, there's weaponry, but maybe there's, um, Buckminster Fuller said, there's liventry. So like trying to build my arsenal of liventry in my life.
And to and know maybe your place within it, right? It's just like, it just sounds like everything you're just talking about. Yeah. Of like being raised by farmers and being out in Loudoun County and, and, and always, it's like you were in nature all the time, right? Growing yeah, up. Yeah. I mean, yeah. In terms of that, or had to kind of make responses to, yeah, being outside and being, well, I'm not in this family, but I'm here for the day and I have to help and it's part of who I am and my identity. So, and you said also one more thing you said up to now, it's like you see that changing as well, as far as like you said, like what labor working, developing has always been important up to now, kind of maybe insinuating a shift or a change or something. Well, just that the posture has been so important to perform, um, these physical tasks and be successful. Um, so coming in as a farmer to come into market, to, connect with my community in the city to make a living as well as um, regenerate this energy that took me back to my farm to grow more plants, to have the intent to grow good food um, for my soil, for my community, I guess for the continuation of, um, of the activity. It's like, it's not just there's the idea was there's never going to be an end game. Um, and so because of that, like, I don't, I don't come to the city anymore and sell vegetables. And maybe some of the decisions to do that were, that was, there was a change um, that needed to happen on a level that is, um, um, the, like the creative force needed to, well, diverge, not tune in or tune out, but just kind of shift. And that probably um, came about with, sure, many physical uh, ailments of being tired or, or stress or, you know, then weighing my business, how much money I was making, how many pounds of tomatoes I was selling compared to the year before, all the data that was coming in. But ultimately, it was like um, that I had... Um, that I, it was important for my regeneration. I needed to stop and to start over in a different way, but not completely start over. I didn't need to be reborn, but I just needed to shift. And so, can I? Can I? Yeah, so sure. I'm, I'm going to be interjecting, and I don't want to cut off your train because I know how that goes. But it's like, how, so first, how, when was that? When, when did when did you um, leave Dupont Farmers Market? Uh, it's been you know two four, years ago. Two two years only. Yeah, okay. two years ago. So in, in so in in the two years, so you, you you felt there was a shift needed. There was a shift taken. Decisions and the, the the kind of the flow of life, whatever. And and so for regeneration, for doing something different, because of all the other stuff, I guess the difficulties of maybe doing it, and you were tired, this and that. Do you feel now, two years later, that that's a, that's not that it's happened because it really never has happened. But do you feel a little bit more in a in that, that, that groove, that new groove, which is no longer growing vegetables and coming to the city to sell the vegetables with the people, is that, you look back two years ago, is, is, is it good? You know, you know what I'm saying? It's like, is that, is that, because um, you always, big bifurcations along the way, and then the path, those are hardcore, man. Those shake you to your core as far as like, I'm making a deep, decision and you never know in the moment that's the thing that's kind of very that you know you talked about vulnerability that's a hard position to be in where it affects everybody in your chain from your family to 
your customers and everything. So how are you two years into that now? Not no what longer. What are you doing? Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, I don't want to take you far out because go back to your chamber. No, just, no. I just sit here and wonder as we talk to. I, well, um, the Violetta's question, I'm still just so obsessed with plants. And so regardless of, yeah, the plant work is still there. The physical work is still there. Um, but I needed to spend more time on kind of my integrity with my, not with myself, but just like, just um, on a daily basis, what was I, what was the work that I was doing and how it resonated for me and my immediate surrounding my family and my children are growing. So, so there were those kind of decisions. Um, and then I also saw, oh, this, this market is kind of, sucking something out of me people don't see the spark i i'm i'm so in a way i felt like i needed to exile myself so i could have more of a a perspective of what i was doing how well what what were my successes and failures because in the middle of it you're just kind of you're sticking with it and you do everything you can to get there and be on time and make your money and etc and so when things that you valued so much, your relationships with people, the, sure, the money that you were making, um, the, the good produce that you were able to put out on the table, um, the interdependent relationships, when all of those didn't have as much of a spark or they just seemed like uh, you felt like you were a cog, then it was kind of time to reevaluate and slightly reinvent. Um, so the if I thought about the economy, my economy, and basing it from my ecos, my household, my economy was just like stagnant. It felt um, stagnant. And my body actually told me that it was stagnant. I started uh, sciatic nerve, a lot of trouble with inflammation. Um, so I kind of figured out that, hmm, this same pattern is, is not, that. I won't say the word, um, sustainable because you can keep up your same posture for as long as you can stand, you know, in some ways. I think it's more of conscious decision that I have, um, I have these gifts in front of me, this beautiful family. I am alive and healthy and um, I need to challenge myself to make a change slightly or reinvent. So going back to some of the things that I already knew, and then trying to um, divert some of my energy into things that I was trying to do before I started farming or owning a business. Um, so I play a lot of music. Um, I try to play a lot more. That like replaying ultimately, if it's all work, which with farming is just so um, relentless. That's maybe not the word, but it is. It's relentless. Back and forth to the city, to the farm, to the to the watering, to the cultivation, to the bugs. So that, I mean, just like constant um, that I needed to step back and say, oh, yeah, let's, let's build a skateboard ramp or mm -hmm. let's play I, some yeah, music with my friends or um, let's walk down the road with the dogs. Let's, you know, how can I... So those are just like easy. Those are, you'd be like, yeah, that's easy to figure out, but not so easy to figure out when you are when you're the idea that you're here to provide 
um, you have to be a great provider, and then and then what? And so those were I just didn't have those answers for myself. Um, and um, so being able to like do my work with plants and the soil and nature and and still and feel like I have a little bit more of a grounded household um, at my. So it's that famous work-life balance, right? Sure. And life-life balance. Life-life. <laughs> yes. life. Right. What is the difference, right, between the personal and, the, and the whatever the professional is, the work-life? Yeah. I mean... I mean I've never had that separation. Yeah. I mean, I guess the life-life is like, if we can... I don't know. I kind of accept in, in the future that, for my future, or, or both of you, that we're inherently immortal. So... <laughs> Regeneration. <laughs> yeah. So, so have you gotten? Um, do you feel like in those two years now that there is more of that balance? Let's there is see. a little bit I'm more in play. Two bands. <laughs> I go to New York City like every six weeks and play music. Um, I'm an, like an Irish percussionist, and I play a lot of old time music too. And built a skateboard ramp with my boys. I have a <laughs> son, Addison, who's eight, and son Owen, who's thirteen. Um, so that was such a passion when I was growing up in the '80s. But we started with a smaller ramp this year. Mine was like 20 feet wide, 10 feet on each side, <laughs> a little bit more. Are, are they are they into it? They're into it. They see that Dad is really into it. So. <laughs> Tell me about it. I know a thing or two about that. <laughs> I come home with bruises and nicks and necks all over my body. That's right. That's yeah, right. and it so, so, feels so good. So those are those are some. Um, of course, my wife. There's the other, is that she had spent many years farming with me and kind of dove into my passions and was um, influenced and openly was influenced. And then it was time to turn to her and say, okay, how can I be influenced from you? We've been together for 17 years and um, what is it that you want? And um, she said, you know, I, I just want to teach art. I want to teach art, and uh, so that, so getting up in the morning, making the breakfast for the lads, and getting them off to school, and not doing the ten-hour workday, doing more like the six-hour workday, making sure right as soon as we get out of here, I'll go home and take care of the boys as soon as they get home, and and what that practice is, and some of that is work, but a lot of that is play. So that's, you know, that thing, too, we talk about, like, I guess when you talked about us meeting and there was whatever vulnerability, openness, that's another thing that is so vital to me as a person. And, and, it's, and it's, um, it's a conversation that Bilette and I have, too, but who I am, it is so important that I have that play. Because and, and, and there is this, if I feel like that's, it gets a bad rap in today's world. I don't know. I guess maybe just because of the pressures to be, to perform, to work, to provide, to generate, whatever. Or to consume, maybe, was really where it comes from, you know, to be a consumer. But I just always feel there's sometimes a tinge of guilt for even wanting to play. I don't, I, maybe that's my own thing of my own upbringing. Do you feel that at all? As far as, like, to... Did you have to explain to the world? Did you feel like you were, you know, right. that you were, that there was this pressure to, you, you mentioned being the provider. I guess that was the pressure that I felt like you had. But with Rob, I don't know that it's that so much, but it's this, you know, this, this concept of you own this company and you have to perform at a level. 
And so if you're skateboarding, maybe you're not. And in, in the end, I, we all, I think we all agree upon the fact that you got to nourish yourself, like you said, right? To be mm. your best, to honor yourself. And to honor yourself is a lot about that. It's a mm. lot about being in the moment, being in the group, and enjoying what you're doing. And if you're not enjoying what you're doing, you're not shining. Therefore, you got to make space for the play. Yeah, totally. Um, and honor thyself, because maybe some, I don't know, maybe, maybe some don't need to play. I think everyone needs but, to but, play, but, but, but just but I forget. Think that, right, because we all, we, when we're all kids, that's, then you go, even the, the researchers talk about how important play is kind of the first place that they actually learn. And then you look at the cats, you know, they play, they play hunting with their sisters mm -hmm. and brothers and all that and their mom mm -hmm. and dad. And that, that, you know, so that I, I wonder is, is it that everybody still needs to play, but that because we grow up and we have to put that stuff behind. And so most people do. And, um, I, 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 I tend to think that way because just simply because we all arrived here and play was extremely important to us all and we all played and the and it seems like as one grows older most people stop playing so, or and and they lose that some kind of openness of curiosity to um to life so and i, I just yeah i wonder if that's something that you felt as well ever about that notion of play or not because I, I i have but it hasn't stopped me and it won't stop me but i've always been aware of it i, I think the guilt of play or the idea of the of feeling guilty um we could kind of go back to like uh, leaders we're kind of in this realm where we look to leaders as to like, I mean, leaders in the past were, you know, bring us more food, more safety, more security. Well, there's abundance of a lot of those things. And we make in our minds uh, and brains solve all those, you know, the brain solves all that problem and the mind is kind of connected with the universe. And they just, so this, the problem solving is going and, and we have vocabulary and we can read so leaders, they, they're not our managers, you know? They're our leaders, they're the, they're the visionaries. So if the leaders don't show us joy or play or love, compassion, um, or they, they don't have these like right brain activities to be visionary, they're caught up with managing us or telling us, um, you know, keep the, Keep the saw sharpened, or this is the the analytics of um, living. The leader. It's hard to know how much we really need leaders when we are so interconnected. Is one idea where play should be more accepted, or that relief, or um, and maybe it's more of this. You know, especially in America, we're kind of inundated that. Um, people should be working, you know, and um, that we should be productive, that we should keep up with our household. But our household is like plants and trees and babies and, you know, elephants and lots mice of play. and lots of, lots of things that, and all these other things around us are not really, they're gathering the nuts, but are they working so hard? Um, to, to, at what end? And that there's this like, 
mortality, linear mortality. And that, we really struggle with that. We, um, when I think about, well, okay, I only have this amount of time this week to do this type of play because X, Y, and Z have to get all these things done. And what are the reasons? And, um, and so, and it's easy to say, well, I have a new mission I'm definitely going to play because my children are going to get old and I'm going to miss their childhood. What about my childhood right now? You know, so I'm lucky enough to have children in their childhood showing me how easy it is. And, and so I think that's some, you know, process or redefinition. Yeah. Or how, like, that we would be mad at a president for going out and playing golf or something of that sort when there are so many awful things going on, how dare he or she step away and use their mind or heart that they always need to be using their brain and figuring it out and creating new tools. And um, that's why there's lots of us to help interconnect or interrelate. And self-correct too, because it just seems like with that, like you said, do we need leaders, right? That um, do certain things or a certain way and it seems like today the examples of the leaders on the world stage not just here are so bankrupt of vision um, there are exceptions uh, I, I, I mean you know I just think of like, like Dalai Lama or something like that you know but it does seem like where, I mean in the past maybe there was more like the founding fathers there was something there maybe more visionary less linear but today the 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 world leader examples seems to be really fucked up really i don't i don't know what they're communicating or transmitting as far as other than through their actions of how they act that's more important to us to tell us how to be as it is a father or a mother to your kids you can say certain things all day long but really what they look at is your actions and how you behave, how you move through the world, how you treat your your wife, the mother, their children, how you interact with all, and that's what they look at to model their way to be. So if we are imprinted by our leaders, which we certainly are, with especially the immersion within the tools of media that can reach us 24-7, seems to be like if the examples of that are so, where do you get healthy examples so that's the question that we're going to leave here to ponder as we um, take a short break and come back to speak with Zachariah Lester thanks everybody out there we'll be right back
welcome back to the Dolcezza Sherbert Experience here on Full Service Radio. Coming to you live from the Lion Hotel in Washington, D.C. Talking with Zachariah Lester of Tree and Leaf Farm about so many different things. And really, it's the beauty of conversation where it's really, as most people that know myself, there is no script. And when I try to stay on any kind of script, I always end up fucking it up so i've learned kind of the hard way or the good the, the good way to to go into a conversation and let it have its own momentum and um and then everybody around it kind of um play with it so we told we were we were kind of going somewhere with world leaders i think everybody at this point knows that that's bankrupt where do you look to i was going to ask um zach that but before we get into that i i um i want to see if this works I have a recording. Oh, boy. <laughs> I found it, man. I asked you, and I am one of the text messages from November the 26th, 2013. So it was pumpkin season. Everybody likes pumpkin gelato. We're about to get our first um, neck pumpkins and roast them and make pumpkin gelato. And so that was one of the things that Zach and I, um, you know, the opal basil and then the chocolate mint and something happened with the the neck pumpkin and that that was all that's always such an example of um of how much like, what i learn from someone like zach and 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 this i'm going to play a recording from <laughs> 6 years ago and this just will show you a little bit of what really really blew me away and this was food 52 came to me and asked me to write about neck pumpkin or pumpkin gelato and so yeah cool i spent like a week writing all this stuff on the neck pumpkin and kind of what it was and then i reached out to zach and said hey zach i'm doing this thing for food 52 kind of have to talk about neck pumpkin gelato and you know the recipe and that kind of um standard stuff will you um put something down for me um, so I can maybe put that in there. So this recording Zach sent to me, and he said, you know, in this text, it's, um, I had your good coffee and some of the herb, and I think he said you went up into a tree. Now, this is the funny part. This was an expression, and I said, yes, I had your coffee and your herb, and then I went up my tree, and up my tree means I went into my world, and I could look down, and Rob thought I had this tree that I went up to. <laughs> so I told, yeah, the metaphor. That's the thing about tree Zach. Of life, the tree no, of Zach leaves. speaks in such metaphors where I have to dissect it for thirty minutes after each conversation to <laughs> parse out reality. No, 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 no. Sorry, because that's I think the true art of conversation. You don't really know what happened to you. <laughs> so, anyways, I just want to play this, and just the thing is, like, this is how. Someone like Zach sees pumpkin. And just compare that to how we, urban dwellers who go to Whole Foods or grocery stores, whatever, how we see a pumpkin. It's just we'll show you the degree of, of, of difference that there is in someone who comes from nature, who lives in nature, and has a relationship with nature, which we all used to, and today very few do. So, without further ado, Zach Ariah Lester in his tree, fully medicated with up beautifully me tree. up me tree, <laughs> fully, 
fully medicated with beautiful homegrown herb. November 26, 2013. So the neck pumpkin is this vessel of nourishment. From the seed germination on a hot summer day, after usually after the summer solstice, immediately it influences our farm. Within a week or two, the canopy from the lush leaves are so influential in its environment around it, shading the earth, encouraging microbial activity, broadcasting photosynthesis to everyone lifting their heads and saying, my, wow, they're really growing really quickly, to then it's flowering, and suddenly the dance begins. The workers go back and forth and back and forth, multiple 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 trips all day back to the hive back to the food back to the flower back to the hive the farmer notices consistently its vitality and praises the bees it would be an amazing amount of work to do what they're doing spend a lot of time in amongst the leaves really appreciating their agility and also their intent with the end in mind the food that will be produced from those patches is amazing. To cut open the bottom of a neck pumpkin, I only see the imprint of the flower of the summer, and it remembers where it's been, what it's done. To cut open the neck of the neck pumpkin and smell the essence and the oils that are set there and the sweetness and the nourishment, the farmer knows the neck pumpkin remembers summer. The vitality of the neck pumpkin remembers its season. This is a perfect example for us on our farm to see the example of nature and its repetitive, diverse pattern. Folding in on itself, it produces itself year after year after year. The cycle runs deep. The food is strong. The essence is there. And so delightful is the sweet. Fuck, man. I miss you so much, Zach. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, love you, buddy. Jesus <laughs> Christ. You know, that's like, that's like old recordings of Jim Morrison to me. <laughs> it's, um, again, that's the vision. That, that, that right there. I, and, and so... When I responded to the Food 52, I responded with no words. And I'm like, I'm not writing anything. Here's the recipe, and here's the recording. That's the neck pumpkin. And they, they, they published it without any words. And people, I guess, went on and pushed play. And they either got really confused or really high. <laughs> I don't know. It's one way or the other. <laughs> but, but it's like that vision. That, that vision of like... That 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 blew me away, and it still blows me away, and and just has this um, nostalgia for returning to the land because we need it so 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 bad as a like a almost like a sick species on this planet that are actually like full bore speed at killing ourselves and killing everything around us. I really feel that way. Where if one was in nature more there would be another example of how to live. And maybe that wouldn't be the case. I don't know. What do you think? Well, we made so many incredible accomplishments in such a short period of time. And it definitely seems like our brains are here to take in the information and to problem solve. 
and then our minds are connected and inherent truths and principles are there and we uh, are involved in that um but we it's like we're just about to fail our exam you know we've studied and we've we've gathered this information we've encompassed so many things but we're really at a turning point where this because we're in this regenerative universe that's energy is imported and exported and it is consistent and there's not any lack of it um like if we think about our tiny little planet and then our i don't know what size it is to the moon or to the sun but even our sun is pretty small and there's like a hundred billion stars suns and there's a uh, inside of one galaxy the yeah. milky way which i think that figure from 100 billion was updated 6 months ago okay. to 1 trillion or whatever the fuck that means yeah and and we're 93 t- times the sun i think the sun is 93 times the size of the earth or something like that but the 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 biology is so successful you know and that we're kind of at the i don't want to say the top but we have these skills as a biological creature. I mean, that um, we've, I mean, we, we have some, I mean, potential is not the word. We are so alive and we, and we choose to just kind of continue to look at the cliff notes or cheat or um, try to expend, you know, like that we even want to, the fossil fuel is important. But, I mean, just hearing that California is blacking out because of winds. Well, why don't they turn on the wind turbines? Why don't we have... We have so much knowledge, and but we still seem to be stuck with a bunch of knowledge that we already know is not true. The sun is doesn't go up and down, and the four corners of the earth, and the wide world. This is, this is nonsense. We already know this, but we're stuck there. And... Um, you know, quoting Buckminster Fuller again, if we looked at uh, our planet as a spaceship and we were floating in this amazing universe and this spaceship we have to maintain and keep going, it really is what we are doing. And so that's that's hilarious in itself to say that, but it's, you know, it's not. It's not a, at all. Like, so so with, with, with that, and then that seemingly commentary of um, something the wrong way of living what 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 would create then that ability for humans to see us as um on a spaceship traveling through space and the the need to take care of that well getting back to like leaders leaders it seemed like the leaders the whole importance of leaders were because of scarcity there used to be a lot of scarcity not enough food not enough you know um industry was different that it's obvious we've shown that there's not scarcity there's abundance and then how we are able to um, work within that abundance um, and manage um, efficiently yeah so you know we could go on yeah well all day long maybe I can convince you from driving back in another time and picking up on so many conversations and going skating and puffing a little bit of the beautiful herb and seeing where these conversations 
go. Um, Bilette, do you have any no, other I want, comments? No, I would love to, to have you back. I had so many questions about farming, you know, really. The way that you did it was um, so deep and thorough and clean and beautiful. We didn't even get to talk about that. But hopefully, yeah, we'll have you again. There's so many questions. And, yeah, we'll continue the conversation. Do you want to leave anything I mean, I've said this before, and I just, I, I actually, and you guys encompass this too. Love, living organisms value each other. So that's, uh, there you go. And thanks, man. I can't express in English to what it means to Say have it you in here Spanish. again. Go ahead. That's your job. Amor es todo lo que necesitamos. Gracias. So, yeah. Gracias. Thank you. And um, see you next time, everybody. Out. Thanks for listening to this program on Full Service Radio, broadcasting and recording from the Line Hotel in Adams Morgan, Washington, D.C. Full Service Radio programming can be accessed live and archived on fullserviceradio.org. Our talk programming is available on most podcast apps like iTunes and Stitcher, and our DJ sets are available on mixcloud.com slash full service radio. Full service radio features over 30 weekly shows and over 50 local hosts covering every topic imaginable. If you want to be a guest or get involved, email us at info at fullserviceradio.org. Follow us on Twitter at fullserviceRDO, on Instagram and Facebook at Full Service Radio. Thanks for listening.